Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. The following program is brought to you by the Preferred Home Team. Content is provided for general information only and should not be treated as a substitute for professional advice from your legal or real estate advisors. Welcome to the Real Estate Radio Hour, a forum of ideas, plans, and expert advice on all things real estate. Andy Prasky with Remax Advantage Plus was named Super Agent by Minneapolis St. Paul Magazine. Chris Rooney of Remax Preferred is a Lakeshore and Luxury Home Specialist. Together they cover the Twin Cities. This combined dynamic duo has sold over 2,000 homes. Ranked in the top 1% nationwide, top 10 in the state of Minnesota, and still have time to get together every Saturday to talk about real estate. Here's Abby Prasky and Chris Rooney, Denny Law, and the Real Estate Radio Hour. Welcoming your calls and text messages like we always like to do. 651-989-9226. Send a text, real estate related, to 81807. Good to see Andy back here. Well, good morning, guys. And uh, Chris he had time for too. us on a Saturday. He did. Oh, it was nice of him. Well, with that new intro, I didn't realize what a big shot we were. I, yeah. You know, wow. I'm impressed. Yeah. I'm I impressed. They're talking myself. about someone else. Maybe that's the next <laughs> yeah. show. That's yeah. the That's a replacement team. <laughs> it must be. They'll be waiting outside for the autograph. That's right. Just like they do at the hotel next door. <laughs> you know, so many times we've come out. It's the Grand Hotel. Yeah. That's where all the right. sports teams stay. Yeah. And uh, the studio's right next to that. And so Andy and I will park in the, the tower. Then we'll come through there, and the bus is out there, and they have the autograph line. It's so funny. Then we'll walk out. They'll look like, and they'll go, oh. <laughs> it's like, they're it's like totally, we disappoint totally the crowd. disappointed. Yeah. Like, there's no way yeah. they could be athletes. Well, yeah. I'll tell you what. Uh, we, uh, we always enjoy the talking real estate every Saturday this time. And I always ask uh, how your week was, your weeks, you know, each of you. And I know Andy has been. Doing other things, but <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, but it's still real estate goes on. And, yeah, uh, uh, well, he never stops. I think you no. know with real estate too. I mean, we're we're kind of giving Andy a hard time, but um, spending Weird. time doing, um, you know, seeing your daughter in volleyball. She's traveling all yeah. over the place, and Pretty exciting. but the, the good thing yeah. about real estate is that. I mean, we can do everything online or remotely mm-hmm. now, except for like show a house. I mean, obviously right. as a team of people that um, can show those houses, but uh, week was uh, busy, real busy. You know, I saw, actually, I'm starting to see a little bit of the um, the normal summer slowdown a little bit where I'm starting to see where houses are listing and they're not selling the same day. They're actually taking a couple of weeks. And if you've overpriced them, they, they're not getting offers. So it's, but you got to remember, everybody's preoccupied usually this time of year unless they absolutely have to find a house. So those buyers are still out there. I mean, that's just like going fishing and there's that one fish that'll bite, but then you might sit there for two hours and have no other nibbles. So what I always say is this time of year when you have that kind of a market, you have to be on your game. You have to have your property ready to go. You are in a position of where once they come along, don't don't think there's going to be 10 other offers because you might get that one offer and you know the, the old cliche of one in the hands better than two in the bush and that is so true in the market we're in right now. So I always say every offer that comes in, treat it with respect um, or, or that showing. Make sure that you've, you're going out of bounds almost on making sure that that showing's amazing for those people coming through your home. 
yeah, and there's certain segments that are are a little slow. I mean, right. it's a July 4th hangover. But what happens is that these segments, um, like every, it's sitting and, and other people are starting to listen to it and nothing's really going. But it's kind of like a buyer's mentality is like, hey, you know what? Nothing's really going. I got time. You know, I'm going to go on that vacation. Right. I'll, I'll wait. And then, you know what? We can go do this and I'll wait a little bit. But mm-hmm. what happens is once one of those goes or two of them go, yeah. then everyone floods in the market again because mm-hmm. it's like, oh, my gosh, it, it, we're going to lose all of them. You know, let's right. go for our second choice and let's get it. And then that's how things start going. And I've always seen it like in the luxury market. Mm-hmm. That happens in the fall. And why it happens in the fall is because they do. They get so busy and maybe they're waiting for that absolute perfect house that is never coming, mm-hmm. you know, but there's that other one that, oh my gosh, it's great and we love it. And then they realize that, hey, that that is the one. And then they start plopping off in, mm-hmm. you know, September, October and, and November, really. Well, you know, and I think that there's another interesting dynamic to this too. We've had um, this year, Danny, again, the uh, rents went up. Okay. Rates on on buying houses stayed flat. We all thought rates were going to start jumping up, yeah. and they're still staying flat. So what you're seeing is a lot of people saying, "What do you mean there's another increase on my rent?" The 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 landlords are helping us like you wouldn't believe because they're raising rents across the Twin Cities because renting is still a tight market. They're bringing millennials that I thought were going to rent forever into the marketplace, and in some pockets, it's more than fifty percent of the buyers are these young guys and gals. That are out there, first-time home buyers, FHA financing, you know, coming in with their three and a half percent down and getting your house prepared. If you're in one of those target markets, talk to your your real estate agent and ask. I mean, ask what is the percentage in my area that's being sold FHA? You know, so maybe we do have an inspection ahead before we sell the house, making sure that we qualify for that kind of financing for the buyers. And so those are some of the things I'm seeing out there. So I think we're still gonna stay very stable. If they keep raising rents and keeping interest rates low, I think you'll have a natural migration of people going from being renters to being owners again, which is which is very exciting. They do the math, they figure this is a better deal. You can you can own cheaper right now in yeah. most markets by quite a bit than to be a renter. Yeah, absolutely. And and you control, you know, when you want to move out too. Because right. a lot of the what the what's happening is why rentals have gone up is because the investors are like, you know what? I've been sitting on this thing for ten years and I finally mm-hmm. got a chance to get out of it you know what, you're gone and I'm going to sell it to somebody else. Mm -hmm. And then so those people that are gone maybe have to keep renting. They go to somewhere and, I mean, I know on our rentals, I'm I'm one of those guys that's trying to get rid of all of them, but Mm -hmm. the ones that I'm keeping – I'm just really raising the rent, and it's still bang. It's well, like and keep, nothing. keep in mind too, like you look at like uh, you know you watch the other or take the economics classes, and what what landlords will do is they intentionally raise the rents before they will sell a property, and so then all of a sudden the cap rates look really attractive to the investor market, and so all of a sudden they're looking at well, geez, this building makes us a twelve percent, you know, uh, cap rate, and you know what ends up happening is all of a sudden they go through and and then the new person buys the apartment or buys the duplex or whatever. And all of a sudden the people at the new rent want to get out and then there's high vacancies and it's a game. So, I mean, um, but on the other hand, it's just, it's been such a rent um, rental environment for a lot of people. They just, you know, Hey, until things, we figure things out personally, let's rent. And that's great. You know, there's, a, there's definitely a need for that, but just, you know, I think when you really take a look at the numbers, which the numbers don't lie, it, it'll tell you that it's a better time to be an owner than it is to be a renter. If that's right for you. Yeah. And I think, you know, you're talking about people getting into the market. There's a lot of contingencies Mm -hmm. that happen uh, when it comes to a contract. So it's like when you get that offer right away, you know, it's great. But there's a lot of little hoops that we have to go through. Mm -hmm. You know, one of them, probably the most popular one is having an inspection done uh, on the property. And today we brought in John Erickson. 
uh, with Erickson Home Inspections, uh, located out of Minnetonka, kind of does them all over the metro. But to, uh, just to talk about the different things that can happen in an inspection, there's another big thing, uh, Denny, which you know is we've talked about here before, is radon. You oh, know, yeah. That is, and big that's, topic. Yeah, that's a big thing. We're going to talk maybe a little bit about some of the sewer line stuff that's coming mm-hmm. into play now because a lot of people are – I just had a – I had someone do an inspection, and it was a 2014 home that they had a sewer line inspection. Mm. And I'm kind of like, what? Smart. I mean, there's a, but not 2014. I mean, there's no way there's any problems. I mean, I can see in, oh, you think there is? It would, absolutely. There, there's some of these cities, when they're pushing out their capacity lines, there's people that literally don't have enough gas coming to their house. I don't know how many years ago it was, but back up, like even in Big Lake Market, where they were at the ends of their utility lines where people didn't have enough gas coming to their house to actually power up their their furnaces. You it, Sometimes the sewer is not that high or low down in the street and you have issues. I, I'm in today's world, dude, I'd inspect everything. And and especially on those older houses, I'd, I'd have that sewer line looked at if I could for the couple hundred bucks that saves you ten or $15,000 a year from now. Or you move into that new house and all of a sudden you have that sewer backing up into your basement. I don't know. John, John what's a way in which to maybe – you know, gauge that from the inspection process because I mean, if you start doing inspections, I mean, inspection might cost you three to six hundred dollars to do a home inspection, correct? Right. right yeah. yeah. And then you know, adding on a sewer line inspection and adding on radon, I mean, you can do quite a bit. In Andy's world, he wants to do every inspection you possibly can. Is there a way? <laughs> is there a way from just doing the home inspection to be able to kind of maybe gauge if there's going to be a problem with that sewer line? Uh, well. It'd be hard to know with uh, unless you're actually doing the inspection to know if you're going to have some issues. But it's still hard to tell. Uh, when I get to an inspection, typically what I do during the inspection is I like to run all the plumbing fixtures. So when I first get there, turn on right. the dishwasher, turn on the washer, you know, fire up a big load. Just try and get a lot of water moving through the house. Uh, and then as I go through the house, just you know, run sinks and flush toilets and run the showers, let them mm-hmm. run for a little while. Um, and so if there is a bigger issue, usually you can you can find a backup in the basement. Um, because I'm just going to utilize it like you would like on Christmas morning when everybody's waking up and you're, you know, everybody's running, you know, taking showers and everything else like that. Mm-hmm. Um, that could be a gauge. I guess it's harder to tell, though, if there is a more serious problem, if there's a disconnect in the pipe somewhere. Uh, really, the only way to see that would be a camera. Um, right. Versus to get in there. But that's that. a way to, in which to gauge it that, hey, might have a problem. Right. And then you can recommend that sewer line inspection. Yep. And, and I'm talking from experience. So I've had clients in the past where we've bought that new house that was built by the builder back in 2005. The builder went out of business. The house was vacant for a while. We bought the house and actually did the inspection. We plumbed, you know, we, we flushed everything. We did everything. We thought, okay, everything's good. Then she did her first load of laundry. And then all of a sudden they realized that the, literally out of the basement, the sewer pipe connecting to the street there was an apparatus in there that was put in backwards. Oh, yeah. And all of a sudden, so all of their ba- their brand new basement and their $600,000 house was Wagged, flooded yeah. with sewer debris. Mm-hmm. And it, it so those are the things. But all I'd say to you is this, is that trust trust your instincts. And if you want to get a test, get it tested. Because I'm telling you, the front end having things tested is is so much more reasonable and affordable. And then you can make a buying decision based on that. Because let's say we would have spent the 200 bucks for that sewer, you know, uh, scope, as they call it, with the camera. And we spent 300 bucks on that, but now all of a sudden we have a $15,000 avoided problem we have from ripping up the front yard on that right. new house. So, Ooh, man, what a story. Who mm-hmm. was responsible for that in the uh, – what's the end of the story there? In the end of the story, it comes down to where they talked about who's responsible from the water lines in and from the city. Is it a city problem? Is it a whatever? So anyway, the homeowner ended up paying for it. Wow. 
Tell you what, let's uh, take this break. We have a more real estate show to come. If you have a real estate uh, question, 651-989-9226 or send us a text, 81807. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Good morning. Welcome back to this portion of our real estate show here on A3OWCC. If you have a real estate question, and by the way, uh, since uh, John is with us this morning, if you have a question about home inspections, uh, this is your chance. 651-989-9226. Or send us a text if that's easier. 81807. Chris and Andy, what do we do next? Here? Yeah, we got to, you, you can try to dissect that uh, <laughs> text question, but... Um, the text questions some kind, sometimes come in at if it's a super long one, they'll come in different orders. So Dandy's going to uh, go over that one. It's an inspection question, um, kind of on, on a liability part. But we've got John Erickson here uh, with Erickson Home Inspections. And uh, Andy, I think it'd be good. I mean, if people do have calls, I mean, ask the inspector any of those questions. I think we've got a couple of texts. Especially that those that. of you you know, out there thinking, of, hey, man, maybe I'll sell. You know, maybe I'm going to sell this fall, this winter, whatever, you know, head off to Florida, Arizona, whatever, and I want to sell my place here. Um, inspections, pre-inspections, I get at, that's probably my most common question Explain I that. get as a listing agent. What a pre-inspection is. People say, well, I read online that I should get a home inspection before I sell, right? Mm-hmm. So some of the cities have what they call, you know, um, like point truth of sa- sale. Truth point in sale. sale point, yeah. And so they have to get their homes inspected. And, I, and there's not many of the cities anymore that are enforcing that. That was basically during the big foreclosure push because they didn't want people selling the houses that looked decrepit, you know. But nowadays you're seeing where it's, it's a great alternative. The only thing that I've always said to my sellers is it's very proactive to have that done, but now you're kind of liable for the disclosure of whatever they find. Now you might have to fix things that you didn't know were there versus kind of playing the, hey, this is how we use the house. This is, And it's not an attempt to be deceptive, but it's more of a, plus, who's going to believe when I hire you know my inspector, they're not going to believe that report anyway. They're going to question it anyway and want to get their own inspector anyway. But right. talk about that a little bit. I mean, Chris, how about you guys or John? You know, Yeah, yeah I mean, uh, the way I approach those, I think to your point where, uh, if you show up at a house and there's already an inspection report there, uh, if you're the uh, the buyer's agent, you're still going to say, you know what, this guy probably did a great job, but you still want your own home inspection. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't know when he did the inspection. Uh, things might have changed since then, and you don't know that guy, and, and uh, you know you want to find somebody that you can trust. Uh, I do do some point of or some uh, inspections for sellers, uh, and the way I approach those is more of like a home maintenance check. Let's walk around together. Let's look for big ticket items. You know, mm-hmm. let me pull apart your furnace a little bit. Let me pull off the uh, cover to, to the electrical panel. Look for some major safety issues. Mm-hmm. I mean, you already know if your dishwasher is running okay. Um, right. You don't need me to do that. Uh, you you already know. Uh, you know, I'll go around and open some windows, but you you already know if some of them don't work or some of them do work. Uh, mm-hmm. We're looking more for things that maybe you don't notice on a regular basis. Let's get down into some of the dirtier areas in the basement. You know, let me poke my head up in your attic space and see what's going on there. Uh, but you don't need to spend the full inspection fee for this, you know, 30-page report with pictures. It's more here are the big things that you should focus on to get your house ready for sale. Mm-hmm. Um, the other piece to that too, though, it seems like for me the people that are proactive and, and want these inspections to get their house ready to sell, their house is usually already in pretty good shape. Right. <laughs> no. Th- so I was just going to say that customer of mine already has the yard looking great. The house is meticulous. And that's that personality type, right? They just want right. to have it perfect. Yeah, exactly. And and unfortunately, sometimes interpretation, right? And and their their version of what that house is is how that's their reality. So the reality of that buyer walking in, 
um, you know, comes in and, and they either want an inspection or they don't. I, I mean, I think that in most cases, you know, you come into a house that's meticulously maintained. Like I, I even feel the same way. And the utilities down in the utility room, even in the nicest houses, you go down there and there's an inch of dust on the water, you know, heater and the, yeah. the furnace. And you start oh, questioning, well, they don't spend a lot of time down here doing the maintenance. And then so things like that. They being, start thinking about the rest of the house then. Correct. If there's dust on top of the water heater, they wonder about underneath the sink. Yes. And they wonder about the trim and if the carpet was taking care of. You start questioning I mean, everything. Start questioning everything. So, so it is important. I think if, if you're one that, you know, maybe doesn't pay the best of attention, maybe it is okay to have that pre-inspection done and just – it's it's more of a gesture of here we did this as a proactive seller and you present it that way that just hey we you know hey we're busy and we just wanted to make sure we had the house as ready as we possibly could for the the next buyer. Well, and here's the other thing too Andy is that I mean disclosure I mean it's the most important paper that they're going to fill out. Right. You know because that's the thing that they're going to go back to and say hey if if you didn't disclose this problem and you knew about it I mean that's a problem. Mm-hmm. So I think that I, I really like that idea of doing what you're saying is kind of that that checklist because that is something that um, let's just say, for instance, that you do find two or three things that you said, "Hey, here's some recommendations." As a seller, you then fix those, and then it becomes less of a bullet point line mm-hmm. on the new inspectors list. Right. You know, if I dumped out four of them and I've only got three left, they might just say, "Don't don't worry about those three. Right. Those three things." L- let me let me jump right into this. The elephant in the room, radon. Right now, everybody seems to have more. It never was an issue the first you know fifteen years of my career, and now it seems like every other house we have has a radon problem. W- what do we? As a consumer, should we be testing for radon? Obviously, I mean, even if we're just listeners and we're just living in our house right now, I think it's a good idea to get a radon test. But especially as a seller, um, you know, can you talk, give us a little bit of a, what are we talking about? Why is it a problem? And, and uh, Yeah, sure. I mean, and to your point, uh, I've been inspecting homes now for eight years. And when I started, I probably would get five requests a year for radon tests. Right. Now, at least half of the inspections I do, people want a radon test. Mm-hmm. And maybe those ones that don't, maybe it's a condo or a townhome or they've already got a mitigation system. Mm-hmm. Um, of the homes that get tested in the metro area, uh, I think what other home inspectors have found that, that do radon testing, uh, about 40% come back with higher than recommended levels of radon. Right. Um, uh, so then what's recommended is a mitigation system get installed. Uh, radon is this uh, colorless, odorless gas. Uh, it's finding its way up to the surface. Uh, it's, it's outside. It's all around us. It's just uh, it becomes an issue if, if it's concentrated, like in your basement, say. Um, I mean, you could go outside and find levels of radon, um, but it's going to be dispersed in the air mm-hmm. versus if you've got it leaking into your basement, depending on the concentration levels, um, you might need to find a way to vent that outside. They, they say that radon um, is the second leading cause of lung cancer, long-term exposure to it. Um, so that's why uh, if you've got, uh, and when we test for radon, what we'll do is, uh, as radon testers is um, we'll set up a machine in the basement. Uh, guys use different types of machines. I use a continuous radon monitor um, but those are just as reliable as any kind of take-home kit that a, a homeowner could get at a hardware store. Some cities now are offering them to f- for free from their uh, from their um, mm-hmm. just for the homeowners. Um, well, why don't we do this, Denny? I know we yeah. we were backing up to a break. Why don't we come back and actually give some solutions to that challenge? And uh, after the commercials here. Yeah, very good. And uh, again, if you have a real estate question, especially one that involves home inspections, six five one nine eight nine nine two two six. Text and we'll pick up on those at 81807. And welcome back to the Real Estate Show here on 830 WCCO. If you have a question related to real estate, especially this morning, home inspection question, 651 
989-9226. Text number is 81807. Guys, you can see we got a bunch of both. Yeah, we do. Uh, let's we pick do. up on the uh, text uh, screen here before we, we lose uh, the screen. I, I love to understand if inspectors have any liability after a home is purchased. Uh, an example I like to give is we recently purchased a house where we had a full inspection completed, and after buying the house, it's now been discovered that the deck railing is out of code. The city wants us to fix it, as well as uh, my insurance provider is stating that I probably need to get it fixed to avoid any liability. I'm curious as to if the inspector has any role or liability uh, in there since it was not discovered or disclosed at the time the home was inspected uh, mm. and then we purchased it. Thank That's you. a great question. Really that, good. Does, that does happen quite a bit, actually, where there's the one thing that gets missed. And let's talk about that, you know. Well, and, and to that question, too, where he said he moved in and the, the deck railing was deemed not up to code, uh, part of that is um, unless it's a brand-new construction code, it's not going to meet today's building codes. Um, I, I get decks all the time that are 10, 15, 20 years old, and and – there's a ton of issues that are not at all that wouldn't meet today's code at all, but right. they they may have been code when the duck when the deck was built. Um, as inspectors, we can go through and we can make recommendations. You know, this deck may have been built to code uh, 15 years ago. Nowadays, we'd have additional recommendations to make it safer. There are right. ways that you can make it safer. So, um, well, I was going to say I want to help you dive into that a little bit more because that's a great question. So, people getting homes that are, they're putting up for sale. They don't have to meet the current building codes. Otherwise, these houses would literally have to almost be ripped down. So, like, there's there's spindles. I've been through houses where you could even fit Rooney's head through the spindles in the inside of the house. I doubt it. I doubt. <laughs> wow, we'd grease it up first. So we'd <laughs> but get a run at it. But the um, no, but the idea there is that now that's not you know what is it a tennis ball or a softball or something they have to be able to fit through there. Yeah, I, I use my fist. That's Your a good fit, reference. Yeah, it's, yeah. yeah it's, it's for it, it depends on if it's going up the stairs or 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 if it's just a railing that kind of thing. Right. But essentially, yeah, it's to keep you know like small pets or, or kids from sticking their heads through there and falling through. And it's twenty inches off the ground, and it's so you can almost trip over it and fall down the stairs. You know, I mean, it's crazy. Right. And when I walked through a house, I had a house just the other day it was built in the seventies. Um, and the railing for the stairs to the basement was at least six inches wide. Mm-hmm. And it depends, I think, also on who's going to buy the house. Uh, if it's an older couple and they don't have kids or grandkids, it probably doesn't matter what that railing looks like. Right. Uh, the family that was buying it, they've got a little kid. So you point out, here's what you've got. Um, just so you know, the size of this, you've got to be careful with little kids. If you've got right. kids or nieces and nephews or little pets, maybe you consider a short-term fix or just consider mm-hmm. replacing the railing so that you don't have so to worry about what, your kid. what is uh, an inspector's liability if they totally miss something? I mean, every contract's different, right? Yeah. So yep. each inspector's different. It's tough. I mean, you know, when we're inspecting a home, we're there for a small period of time. Uh, we're there two and a half, three and a half hours, maybe tops. Um, and sometimes it's raining, sometimes it's not. Sometimes the house is covered in snow, sometimes it's not. So it's hard to know, uh, you know, if you were there – for multiple days, then you get a better sense as to how different systems are running. Uh, there's sometimes where uh, I come into a home and, and there's no signs of leaks, uh, and then it starts raining, and all of a sudden you can see stuff leaking in the attic right. space. So it's, it, it's hard to it's say. It's an inspection, the, not a warrant. Well, and that's right. just it. And that's why I think on a lot of the inspections we see, they'll say that it was a sunny day. It was 82 degrees. I measured, you know, 36% moisture in the house, and then they run the test based on that. Yeah, and that's why we do that, just so that you know, or even if I'm going back and looking at a report, you know, when was I there? Was it the middle of winter mm-hmm. um, when, the, 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 you know, the grade outside is covered in snow and I can't see if it's sloped back towards the house or not? Right. It's hard to say. Mm-hmm. Um, I think some of that maybe should fall back on to the homeowner just so that, you know, you let them know, hey, when the snow melts, go outside and take a look at your right. the grade. Uh, people ask me all the time, how do you inspect roofs in the wintertime? Well, that's kind of the nature of buying a house in Minnesota in the winter. Sometimes it might have a foot of snow on it. 
there's not much I can see. I mean, it's hard mm-hmm. to say unless you somehow get all that snow removed, but that, that's where you're at. And I'll, I'll tell people too, you know, if you want me to come back out in the spring and take a look at it, I will. But then um, it's too late, you know. Then they've already bought the house and closed. Right. That's one long inspection period. <laughs> I tell you, I'm what, impressed. Let, <laughs> let's go to the phones. Six five one nine eight nine nine two two six. Mary is calling from Lino Lakes with a question. Thank you, Mary. Yeah, we are in the process of purchasing a home in Minneapolis, and we are going to use it as rental property. And so we did the radon test. And it came back great. Um, you know, I think the average was like 0.9 with a high at one point of, I guess, 2.2. My question is, um, we thought it was, it was, it was last weekend when it was super, super hot outside. So it was like 90 some degrees. There's no one living in the house. And the seller was keeping the air super cold, like the temperature in the house was anywhere between, um, I guess, 60 to 64, 66, I'm looking at it right now. Does that affect the radon results at all? I- uh, the, the the temperature house wouldn't necessarily affect it, I think, but when you're testing for radon, you want to have closed-door conditions. And what that means is you keep the windows and doors closed as best you can. I understand sometimes people are living in the home, so they have to go in and out of the doors. But you keep the windows closed. Uh, you can run the air conditioning system. You just want to make sure that that blower is not constantly running because that's just circulating air throughout the house. Um, you know, I don't. It's tough testing for radon in the middle of summer. Um, you can't really tell people, hey, you can't use any of your systems because um, we want to do a radon test. You know, you can still use the AC in the wintertime. You can still use the furnace. You just don't want that air circulating around all the time. I don't know if um, if they had that uh, blower running all the time and, and still keeping it at 60 to 65 degrees, but the temperature doesn't usually affect it at all. So how about the – I mean, it's an inconvenience for sellers. I mean, it sits there for 48 hours. And, uh, you know, at, at what point um, – I mean, does it become an invalid test? I mean, people have to, you know, go outside every once in a while, you know, and and move. I mean, is that going to, is the validity of the test compromised at that point? Or is it, hey, a window's got to be wide open the whole time? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think people coming and going, uh, that doesn't typically affect the air moving a whole lot. Um, But for instance, I did a test where uh, I did the inspection and I set up the radon machine. There were still a few items left in the home when I came back two days later to pick up the machine Everything had been moved out. So it was pretty obvious that the doors were probably open for three, four hours as they're moving out the bed and the furniture and stuff like that. That's not going to – that's going to – we need to retest at that point in time. Right. I was going to say we've had sellers that will question and, and demand a retest. Re, uh, okay. Yep. We got tons of text questions. Uh, would radon testing be recommended for a slab on grade with no basement? Uh, you know, I think your the chances of it being high are lower than if you do have a basement, but that's not to say it still could be high. Um, you know, I, I've tested slab on grades. It's it's for me, it's more rare that it's a higher number, but that I don't want to discourage people from testing. I mean, and that's those, just because it can't trap, right? I mean, it's it's not like a basement where it can hang and and sit. right. It's 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 any kind of penetration in the soil. So uh, I mean, you still have probably sewer lines coming through that slab. You've got pipes. You've got uh, maybe there's some cracks that you can't see. Radon comes in through all these little cracks. So when you've got a basement with a foundation, you've got more 
penetrations through that. You've got maybe some cracks in the foundation. You've got uh, basement drains, that kind of thing that allows sewer gases in. But with slab on grates, there's still that smaller chance that I'd still test. How often should you test radon levels? We've tested around 10 years ago. Is there a need to test again? I would test again. Uh, the EPA will tell you to test every two, three years. Uh, the other thing to keep in mind, too, is that uh, radon levels fluctuate throughout the year. Um, so if you, you know, the radon levels are going to be different in the fall versus in the spring. They don't typically fluctuate. Um, you know, it's not like they're going to fluctuate in large numbers. But, uh, you know, if you did your test before in the spring, maybe the next time around do it in the fall or in the winter. Actually, the winter is kind of the easier time to test. But uh, the EPA will still tell you to test every few years just to make sure. Those test kits, they run you, you know, 25 30 bucks. 30 um, Yeah, you can test them on your well, own. And shouldn't you just, like you're going on vacation, wouldn't it be a good idea to just throw it down there in the basement when you're heading out of town and let it sit there and get a, a really accurate? Yep, that's what I've done in my house. Uh, Longer-term tests are better. Um, you know, the, the test that we home inspectors do is, is 48 hours, and that's what the EPA said is the, the minimum amount of time for a radon test. But ideally, mm-hmm. I mean, if you could let it sit down there for 30, 60, 90 days, that's going to give you a better average or, or you know, it, it's going to give you a better long-term picture right. um, versus the, the test that we're doing that's geared towards that inspection window. Okay. We got John Erickson with Erickson Home Inspections with us answering lots of radon questions. Yeah. Is there a site or study uh, that says something that they can see the proven effects of radon? They haven't been able to find anything. I've heard that one of the state universities of Michigan did some studies but have never found a source. You mean where the source there's, of radon is? Yeah, is or a, just... No, is there a study that – talks about the effects of... Uh, I would go to the EPA's website. Uh, I always reference that. They've got a a whole section for uh, home buyers and homeowners on radon, what you need to know. Uh, They'll give you some statistics, you know, if these are the radon levels in your house and this is your long-term exposure, this is, you know, the equivalent of smoking X many packs of cigarettes a day, that kind of thing. So it mm. just kind of gives you a reference. And it's the same thing. I, I think you may be in a basement and exposed to radon, uh, and it may not affect you, or um, just like smoking, some people smoke for a long time and they don't get lung cancer, and other people do, and they do get lung cancer. So it's it's not an exact science, but um, you know, with, with the technologies we have today, uh, and the fact that you can put in a mitigation system just to lower that risk level, um, I think it's helpful. Good stuff. All right, let's uh, take a break. Invite our listeners to join in on the conversation. If you have a real estate type of question or about the home inspections. Uh, 651-989-9226 or send a text 81807. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. In the Twin City, 79 degrees. We're in the midst of our real estate show welcoming your phone calls and text messages here on 830WCC. We've got text messages oh, yeah, here. Okay. Oh, oh, yes, we do. I want a mic. Yes, I got to turn that mic on. All right, here's a, here's a good one. Had an inspection. Says the inspector missed the garage door that was zip-tied to hold it together. Oof. There was a hole in the bathtub where the, shirt and, or the shower curtains hang and a hole in the door. Also, I requested the owner clean certain areas, but nothing was done. The holes could have happened between inspection and purchase, I guess. But I get, the question is, is what was the seller's realtor's responsibility for walking through the property before closing to see all requested items were done and if other damages showed mm. up? You, you're asking me? Well, I'm saying on, on the purchase agreement, it states that the buyer has the right in which to do a final walkthrough yes. on the property to make sure that the uh, condition of the property is substantially the same as what it was when they purchased it. Highly recommended. Yeah, and it's 100% on that um, 
that that side to do that, the buyer to do that. One quick thing I would say, I've observed this, you know, and, and we all have different personality types, right? If you go on the disc personality and I've had where some of my inspectors will be out, you know, helping a client and the client is right on them. They're watching everything they do. They're not letting the inspector actually get out there ahead of time and do the inspection. And I think that sometimes what happens is if you're so distracting to that inspector and you're spending all of their time asking them question after question after question after question, they don't get time to actually inspect the house. So I've always asked my inspectors to get out there ahead of time and spend two hours or whatever it is, get the report, and then we come in with our you know a, a questions, if you will. But, I mean, honestly, letting you have the time to observe the house on your terms without somebody bugging you. Yeah, that's a good point. I think all home inspectors, um, or at least in my experience, uh, we have a system. That way you don't miss anything. You, you mm-hmm. know, you inspect the home a certain way. I start outside, get a good look at the roof, go on the exterior of the home. Inside I go top to bottom. I work in a counterclockwise uh, uh, way just so I don't miss anything. You know, I turn on all the lights when I get there. As I go back through, I turn them off. Um, you will get those buyers every now and then that will pull you away from what you're doing. Hey, what about this over here? And it's like I, I'll get to that at some point in time. You know, that's right. a little further along in my inspection. So it is nice where, um, and, and I some people I know they want to be there the whole time and, and we'll walk around and talk and that's fine. Uh, to your point though, sometimes it is nice to have just a couple hours to myself so that mm-hmm. I know I can get through the uh, the main stuff that I need to get through and without distractions and and you know make sure that my report right. is going to be filled. Well, as I say, let you do your job. You're the professional. Let you do your job first, right. and then bring all those great questions when we're doing the visual inspection. Right. Yeah, we'll walk through at the end and, and touch on everything, and and then obviously you get a report at the end too. Cool. And just one point too, uh, you had mentioned uh, that person mentioned where the inspector had missed a few things. Uh, just to point out, there is no licensing of inspectors in in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think if you're out there looking for a home inspector, uh, you know there are certified inspectors out there. I've gotten certified through the American Society Home Inspectors. Uh, there are quite a few, and it's ASHI for sure, there are quite a few ASHI home inspectors around. Um, we are required to get uh, you know, at least 20 hours of education every year. We get together on a monthly basis, uh, just bring in other industry experts. So maybe we'll have a siding guy out, maybe we'll have a plumber out. So we're always educating ourselves. Uh, you know, I hear stories every now and then of bad inspectors, um, and that may be partially because we don't have a licensing but if people are looking for a home inspector i'd go with you know an ashy certified inspector or somebody who's who's certified through some type of organization and they've been doing it for a while versus just the the cheapest guy that they found when they called that's a good point great good point. point okay how do dead trees on the seller's property affect the sale of a home one tree is close to the house well first of all you have to mm-hmm. disclose that if there's any dead or diseased trees and uh, i'd 100 percent get rid of them if, it's amazing to me how, you know, I, you always think, oh, that tree will cost a couple hundred, maybe a thousand bucks to take down. And then you get the invoice for $6,800 because they had to bring in and grab each branch with a, you know. A, so it doesn't hit the house. Right. Yeah. And it, it's, it's um, that is negotiated up front. I think that that's something that when you write your offer, you say, hey, we'll take the house at this price. The tree will be removed and cleaned up offsite with sod replacing the spot, you know, before we close. I know Andy doesn't he didn't want to talk about the radon systems, but there's a couple of quick ones. Is radon mis- mitigation system required in a new home construction in Minnesota? Yes. A, pass- answer is- a passive, passive system. system. Okay, and that's the next question. Is passive radon mitigation system effective if done correctly? Uh, yeah, but you should still test. Uh, I've had a few homes mm-hmm. with a passive system and the radon levels are still high. The fix is to add the blower. A so blower that's the added. difference. Passive means it's just a tube going out, Correct. letting it go out itself. Correct. The other one is a blower that pulls it out. Well, yeah. and just for a quick tip, most builders nowadays are actually putting the outlet actually up into the attic area where that pipe is going out of the attic. 
so that it's an easy fix, so that if you do have a down the road, have the radon, the, the outlet's already right there. You plug Correct. it in, you jump the, the fan in there, and you're ready to go. Yep, and that's part of the code, to have that outlet installed nearby yeah. so that you just you have that fan installed. It's usually 400 bucks versus 1500 bucks. Yep. Uh, and then it, it blows it outside. And then you retest just to make sure it's doing what it's doing. Right. Okay, yeah. and the question I guess we didn't answer, at, at what level or number do you need to install a radon removal system? That is, uh, uh, well, I think from a real estate transaction standpoint, 4.0 or higher has become the, the the standard number. That's where, from a real estate transaction standpoint, I think uh, the line has been drawn. The EPA, there's kind of a gray area in there. Um, if you're somewhere between two and a half and four, uh, the EPA typically recommends that you have a longer term test done. Um, I know you can't really do that from a real estate transaction standpoint, but then I think you look at how are we going to utilize this area. Uh, the radon test is usually done in the lowest habitable space. So maybe it's a basement. It might be unfinished. It might be finished. Uh, you don't know how the next people are going to use that basement. Are they going to finish it and have a game room down there? Are they going to finish it and have the mother-in-law sleeping down there? So I think it's, it depends on how you're going to use that area. If somebody's sleeping down there for 10, 12 hours and you came back at 3.5, do you want to put in a mitigation system just so that you're not exposed to those higher levels? You know, probably. Right, exactly. Well, and I had a quick question. I had a, a, a buyer actually ask the question of my inspector that said, you know, hey, is, is are all CO detectors and fire detectors created equal? Or are there some that are better than others? Uh, yeah, they are not created equal. And there are a couple different types of smoke detectors uh, in general anyways. There's there's the photoelectric ones versus the other uh, smoke detectors. And, and CO detectors... You know, the prices for those are uh, across the board as well. And right. typically the ones that are a little more expensive are going to be better and they'll probably last longer. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think bottom line, I like nowadays that they have the smoke alarms with the 10-year battery that's sealed. So you can't use them for more than 10 years mm-hmm. because that's that's what the expiration date is anyways. I get into many homes where you see that, that smoke alarm on the ceiling and it's got that nice yellow patina to it because <laughs> right. it's been there for yeah. 25 years. I mean... Uh, you know, they all have an expiration date at some point in time. And bottom line, even if you're buying a $35 smoke alarm, it's better than that one that's been sitting in the home for 30 years. Right. Absolutely. Andy, you were talking uh, during the break about some insulation because that's another thing that comes up uh, within the inspections. And I know if uh, attics are sealed, I mean, we have the right in which to go up there now. But, I mean, that's something that sellers need to know too. Right. I always like to poke my head up in attic spaces. Uh, a lot of times those hatches are sealed. Um, and yeah, now we do have a right to open those just because even after, even if it's new construction or um, sometimes I'll find issues after a roof has been replaced and it's to nobody's fault. It's just that maybe uh, a bathroom exhaust fan got knocked loose um, or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there's some other little issue going on in the attic that you wouldn't have known about without popping that space. Let me do this because, I mean, if we get through all these texts, I'm going to be really impressed, and we're going to do it. Two small dark areas on pink strips of insulation behind plastic on a wall in the laundry room. Appears dry but black in color. Do these need to be pulled out and replaced? The the pink strips, it's, you probably got a little bit of mold back in there. Moisture got trapped. If you're behind the plastic, moisture came in and it didn't find a way out. So it, it's you had some moisture in there. I don't know if that's under underground or, or – uh, you know, it's hard to know right. where the moisture is coming from. But uh, from I, a real estate sales perspective, Andy, are you gonna if we go and see that in the laundry room? What are we gonna tell the seller to do? I always remove all biomaterial that's visible. But it, it's one of those things that, as a seller, I would avoid. I totally would get that out of there ahead of time and have it replaced. 
Um, but I'd also try to do this. I try to understand why it was there. Yeah, yeah. Some, sometimes remember this guy's O2. I had, I had, and I'll try to keep this short. A couple years way back, ten years ago, new construction. We had actually where we went up in an attic, and there was fuzzy like biomaterial everywhere in this attic on a brand new house. And everybody's like, oh my god, it's mold, it's whatever. Well, what happened was the two framers were actually at lunch, sitting on the trusses, having their sandwiches, and they got into a spray the coke at the other guy fight. So all of a sudden, now that's the food matter, right? So now you're up in an attic, it's 90 degrees, that sugar turns into a whatever, and now all of a sudden it attacks it. And tur- We thought we had a mold problem. We had a Coca-Cola problem. And so, you know, those are things. That would things- never happen with Diet Coke, just saying. <laughs> right. Or the waters that you drink. Yeah. yeah. The, uh, <laughs> never. Um, that, that was you. Admit it. Yeah, you were was, one of the guys doing I, the fight. I, I get moving, no breaks. <laughs> yeah. No. All right. I know we're coming. Uh, we're getting close to the end here. John Erickson, uh, very, very good uh, information. How do people get a hold of you? Uh, I've got a website you can check out. Uh, it's ericksonhomeinspections.com. Erickson spelled a little differently. It's E-R-R-I-C-K-S-O-N. Uh, it's two R's. Yep. yep, yep. A little different. Uh, you know, I, I, through that, it's got my contact information out there. Uh, um, if you're looking for an inspection, you can give me a call at 612-991-4309. Um, yeah, I inspect all around the Twin Cities. And are, are you real estate friendly for real estate agents? <laughs> uh, <laughs> giggles, you know, giggles what, first. What does that mean? <laughs> Hesitation. Well, I mean, ultimately, I'm working for the buyer or whoever's paying right. me. Um, right. You know, sometimes the agents come, sometimes they don't. It really doesn't matter to me. Uh, I, I don't know. I just like to present people. Here's what I found. Right. You know, here's some recommendations. Uh, I stay away from all inspections and yeah. let them do it and have it directly with the inspector because yep. I think what Andy was kind of saying is that, you know, realtor-friendly inspectors, hey, don't ruin the deal, you know. But, hey, if the deal gets ruined, the deal gets ruined. Now, how do we get touch with you guys? Well, I know uh, my <laughs> my website is uh, Prasky. That's always funny to me to He's do this. It's yeah. Go to Prasky.com, P-R-A-S-K-Y.com, and you can look us up for uh, whatever real estate questions or DJS. ChrisRudy.com. Okay, very good. We've had it. Thanks to our listeners for joining in. Appreciate that. And we'll be back again next Saturday morning here on CCO with more real estate. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.